so this morning we are going to be continuing in our story of um, Monday Means, the series that we've been looking at, Monday Means. And today we're going to be looking at Monday Means serving. Monday Means taking a servant heart into the different communities and places that we find ourselves in throughout the rest of the week. And I was recently um, discussing this while I was preparing for the talk with one of my friends who works at a university in London and she'd been on a leadership seminar And she just said to me, oh, Sarah, what you're talking about is so far removed from what I learned at this seminar. And she was telling me about one of the talks that she went along to, which was titled Popularity Power Position. And it was basically, as it says on the can, all about the fact that in whatever workplace you are, community place you are, family setting you are, you need to make sure that you work the hardest to be the most popular person in that setting so that therefore you can gain the most power with the ultimate goal of being in the best position. And um, I was quite shocked that this actually was still something that was being taught as a model to people. But I thought back to my own days when I first became a Christian. I became a Christian when I was at university and one summer I went and worked in Canada and that was the summer that I really made my own personal commitment to something that I wasn't quite sure what it was and uh, the following September started back in my final year at university and decided to try the CU out because I thought you know this would be good let's hang out with the Christians and at uh, the first time I went along to the CU they were having elections for the CU president and I was like wow this is great I'm going to go for this job because this is a club that I've now joined and I can be the top of this club because that's surely what you're aiming for and so I nominated myself to run as president and I voted for myself about 30 times and um, fortunately some really great people who were part of that Christian union got around me and supported me and helped me realise that the ultimate goal was not actually being the CU president. And I have to say, being married to someone who was the CU president, I'm so grateful I never was, because apparently it's one of the worst years of your life at university. Um, But, you know, it is that sense, isn't it, of self-promotion. That is the world that we live in nowadays. You know, we see the rise of reality TV. Judy spoke a couple of weeks ago about a recent survey where people were asked, would they prefer money or would they prefer power? And I was quite shocked when Judy shared that actually more people said they would prefer power over money. That sense of, I'm the most important, I'm the person who deserves the most. So actually this morning, as we look at this whole idea of Monday means serving, that our life should be about serving and having a servant heart, it's actually something which is massively countercultural to the world that we find ourselves living in today. But as we look at the scriptures, so much of it in the Bible talks about the fact that we should put others first, that actually living our life for Jesus is about putting others' needs and others' lives before our very own. And we're going to think about this this morning by looking at, as Andy said, a really well-known story, the story of the Good Samaritan. And it's probably a story that for a lot of us we know, you know, if we were brought up in a church context as a child, it's a story you learn quite a lot about. We've probably seen lots of different versions of it like we did this morning in a slightly more light-hearted way. But I've really enjoyed looking at this story through fresh eyes and really looking at what Jesus was trying to say to each one of us. So an expert of the law comes to Jesus to try and trick him out and says, you know, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus throws a question back at him and says, okay, so what is it that you should do? And he says, well, the scripture tells me I need to love God with all my heart and then I need to love my neighbour. And then he asks a question, but you know, Jesus, who is my neighbour? Who is it that I'm talking about in this context of loving my neighbour? 
And so Jesus tells this really well-known story of a guy who is mugged as he's walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he doesn't actually ever say that it was a Jewish man, but it would have just been taken as read that this guy was a Jew. Jesus was speaking to Jewish people. He wanted to meet people where they were at. You know, they would have just assumed this guy was a Jew walking on the pathway from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, this pathway was actually called the Way of Blood. This is a picture of the pathway um, that they're talking about. And it was really notorious for being a place where people got attacked, where people got mugged and you can see from the photo that it's quite obvious why that was it was rough terrain that was built up on either side once you committed to walking down that pathway there wasn't anywhere else you could go so actually if you were someone who wanted to attack someone or wanted to mug someone this was a great place for you to do it because once they were there there was nowhere that they could go so we hear about this guy who gets mugged he gets beaten he gets left for half dead And then Jesus says in the story, along comes a priest. And at this point, if you were a Jew listening, you probably would have gone, great. Here comes the holy person who's going to sort it out. And then along comes a Levite, great, someone else who's going to come in and sort it out. But twice it says in the story that they passed him by. And there's so many different children's adaptions of the story that you might have seen. We add in reasons why these two guys might have passed him by. You know, a lot of commentaries have said for the priest, actually, they couldn't touch dead bodies. So he would have defiled himself if he'd actually gone and touched this guy. But this guy wasn't dead. You know, if you'd gone over and you just looked at him, you would have seen that however shallow his breathing was, this guy was still alive. And yet both of them passed him by. Martin Luther King, in the final speech that he ever gave before he died, said, and so the first question the priest asked, the first question the Levite asked, was if I was to stop to help this man, what will happen to me? Now I found that quite challenging to read that because often the priest and the Levite get a really bad press as the two people who walked and passed this guy by. But they didn't know what the circumstances were. For all they knew, the guys who had just attacked this other guy could have been laying in wait to attack them too. For all they knew, the guy who was lying on the floor was faking it so he could stand up and then attack them. There are so many reasons why they might have passed him by, which actually aren't the reasons that we first click into of, oh, they're so terrible, they couldn't spend the time to help him. But the first question they asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? And if we challenge ourselves, maybe that might be the first question that we would ask in that circumstance as well. But then Jesus goes on to telling the story that suddenly a Samaritan guy comes past. Now this would have been a massively shocking moment in the story for all those who were listening, both the Jewish experts he was talking to and also the disciples who were surrounding Jesus. Because there was massive hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews and the Samaritans believed in very different things. The Samaritans had built their own temple, rejecting the Jewish temple. They believed that a different amount of the scriptures were holy and should be read and should not be read. There was massive, long-standing hostility. So for someone hearing this story as a Jew, you would have seen a Samaritan coming along was a bad thing. This was not a positive thing for this Jewish guy who was lying on the floor. Even for the disciples who are with Jesus, we read that in the chapter previous to the chapter that we've just read, the the Jews, uh, the disciples with Jesus go and visit a Samaritan town. And the people in the Samaritan town reject them and reject their message. And the disciples say to Jesus, we should bring fire down on this city, we should destroy it. And Jesus says, no, we'll just leave. So for even the disciples surrounding Jesus, in their heads, they're still thinking, hang on, you're talking about a Samaritan guy. These are the guys that rejected us really recently. A massively countercultural thing that Jesus talked about. But then Martin Luther King, in the same talk, goes on to say, 
But then the Good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? In that moment, the Samaritan reversed the question and he stopped being about self-focus and became all about other focus. That no matter what the cost, no matter what would happen to him, he knew in this moment he needed to do something to help somebody else. We don't know what that guy had been through, what the Samaritan's week had been like, why he was on that journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. It doesn't tell us any of that. We don't know any background information. We simply know that here was a guy going on this journey for some reason who saw a need and he stopped and he helped. And I think it's quite good at this point to note, which was something that really struck me as I was reading it, that the good part in the Good Samaritan story would have been added on by modern day translators. Jesus never, in the story that he talks of, tells of a good Samaritan. And sometimes I think that can be a little bit of a confusing addition to the story. Because we hear the word good Samaritan and we think, oh, here we are. There's all these bad, evil, awful Samaritans. But here comes along the champion Samaritan, that one person who's had real revelation of what it is to love people. And he's the good guy who stops and helps. But Jesus doesn't talk of a Samaritan like that. He simply talks of a Samaritan, an ordinary guy who made a choice to put someone else before himself. And actually, that is a real encouragement to us, that we don't have to be sitting here this morning feeling like the goodest person, the most holy person, the person who can put everything aside for others. We can actually sit here as ordinary, broken people and say, do you know what? We want to be people who don't see position, popularity, power, but instead we see people that we as a group of ordinary people can ask the same question that Martin Luther King talks of. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? The famous conductor Leonardo Bernstein was once asked, what is the hardest instrument to play? And without hesitation, he answered, uh, as it is up on the screen, second fiddle, I can always get plenty of first violinists, but to find someone who plays second violin with as much enthusiasm, now that's a problem. And yet, if no one plays second violin, we have no harmony. Because the first violinist is the one we applaud, that we see, that we go, yes. But in his answer, he says, do you know what? That second guy, without him, the music wouldn't sound great because there would be no harmony. And I think, actually, as we serve and as we show a servant heart to the communities that we find ourselves in, we do build that sense of harmony, that sense of community. And even in this church congregation, every single week we see that, don't we? Just such a beautiful sense of community, of people pulling together to make this happen on a Sunday morning and happen throughout the week. People who give up time to get here to help. The amount of times we've stood up at the front and said, we're really sorry nobody's on D-Rig, but not once have we been left with the church hall set up. We've always had people who've stepped in and built community by serving. So as we think about this story, how can we apply that model of the Samaritan into our everyday lives? How can we be the people who ask the same question that Martin Luther King said that the Samaritan asked? Now, I don't know how many of you have seen this picture. Uh, It recently went viral on Facebook alongside a very, very long Facebook status update. So this is a little baby called Riley. The lady who's holding her is a lady called Nifesha Miller. Now, the status update that is very long, if you've seen it, tells of a story of a young mum who was on a long-haul flight with this little baby, her baby Riley. 
She'd never flown on a flight on her own before. She says that she got onto the flight at 5.30 in the morning. She was tired, the baby was tired. She was obviously feeling quite apprehensive about going on this flight. She says literally the moment she sat down, the baby started crying. Now, if any of you have been on a long-haul flight or even a short-haul flight, either with a crying baby or sitting near a crying baby, you know this is a fairly painful experience. Uh, myself and John, before we had kids, flew to Singapore and literally walked on the plane as along came a massive group of family who just made so much noise and we just sat there like this. <sighs> the whole journey, I feel awful now, having now <laughs> brought that into this building. Um, but it is, isn't it? You go on and people are tutting and rolling eyes and she tells in the story that that was her experience. She sat down on a row of three seats next to a couple who basically just looked at her and tutted. She was getting more and more stressed. The baby was crying more. After the plane had taken off and it was safe to undo your seatbelts, she said to an air stewardess, like, you know, I've noticed there's three seats just over there. Can I go and sit on my own? So she moved. The baby's still crying. She's getting more stressed. She's got a long journey ahead of her. And she says out the corner of her eye, she saw this lady, Nifesha Miller, walking towards her. And at a moment, her heart sunk because she just thought, oh, someone else is here to complain, to tell me some great parenting tips. But she says that simply this lady sat next to her and said, can I hold your baby for you? Can I give you a bit of a break? So this lady sat, she held her baby. Apparently little baby Riley continued crying for a good part of an hour, but she still held her. And she held the baby until the baby finally fell asleep. And then she sat for the whole of the flight holding the baby. When the plane landed, she continued to hold baby Riley. She took her off the plane until the mum could put the buggy up and she put baby Riley in the buggy. They hugged and off they went their separate ways, probably not to meet up again. The thing that really stood out to me about this story was the fact that it went viral. This story was shared thousands and thousands and thousands of times on social media. Now, if this was a normal day occurrence that happened all the time, it wouldn't have been shared because no one would have gone, wow, that's amazing. They'd have just gone, oh, great, another baby holding story on a plane. <laughs> but this lady, just as the Samaritan did, saw a need and she stepped in and she helped. She put herself aside and she did something that was completely other focused. It wasn't an amazing act. She didn't give away thousands of pounds. She didn't do something which took loads and loads of her time. She would have been on that plane anyway. But yet she saw a need. She stepped in and she simply held that little baby. She showed a visible representation of God's love to that young mum on that aeroplane. And for each of us here, how can we be those people who do that same act of service, just as a Samaritan did, who stepped in and said, what will happen if I don't step in and help this person? What will happen to this young mum if she sits for 10 hours, getting more and more stressed with people tutting around her, where actually I could step in and I could just hold the baby? It might be really simple stuff. It might be that, you know, at, at your workplace, no one does the washing up, so you simply go and do the washing up. It might be that you defrost your neighbour's car in the morning one morning because you know they don't have as much time because you're up early and you can get it done. It might be that you get stuck into serving in one of the more non-glamorous roles at church just to help it happen every Sunday morning. It might be that you offer to look after someone else's kids for an hour. It might be that you sacrifice a bit of time that you had to yourself to go and have coffee with someone who you know would really appreciate it or to make a phone call with someone, no matter how difficult that person is, but you know that they would appreciate that bit of time. An amazing, simple, little way that you can step in and you can show something of God's love to those around you. But the really special thing, I think, in the Samaritan story, was it wasn't just a one-time act. 
It wasn't just a thing that he did once, that he tended the wounds and went on his way. Actually, he stopped, he saw the need. Then he acted, he bandaged his wounds. He continued to act by putting him on his donkey, taking him to an inn, paying the innkeeper, saying, take care of this man. And then really specifically, he says, and I will come back. I'm not just abdicating responsibility now. I'm going to be full out for this guy. I'm going to come back. Five or six times, this guy stepped in and saw a need and helped. In Hebrew, the word love, the word mercy, hesed, is an action. Often when we hear the word love, we think of something like fluffy, kind of Valentine's Day romantic feeling. But actually, the word love so much in the scripture Hesed is an action. It's how can we love our neighbour? How can we show the visible love of an invisible God to the people around us by serving them and by stepping in and by loving their neighbour? What can our actions be and what sacrifice can we make in our own lives to serve those around us? But I guess as we think about that and we think about the specific things that we can do to serve those around us, it's also really good to think about a couple of other things alongside that. Is the service that we're doing true service? Are we doing this for the people around us or are we doing it for ourselves? <coughs> Richard Foster in his book, uh, Celebration of Discipline, talks about the difference between true service and self-righteous service. And this is a massive, massive challenge to each of us because I know for myself that I've been challenged by this time and time again. So Richard Foster says, true service finds it almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. Self-righteous service enjoys serving, especially when the serving is titanic, seeks human applause and yearns for the reward. You know, the good Samaritan or the Samaritan, when he stopped and helped that guy, didn't stop, whip out his mobile phone and take a selfie. Here I am with the mugged guy helping out. He didn't stop everyone around him and go, guys, look, I know you're traveling down to Jerusalem, but look, look what I'm doing. I'm helping this guy on the floor. There wasn't anyone else around. If there had been someone else around, they might have stepped in or they might have walked by. It was him and it was the guy on the floor. It wasn't about the praise. It wasn't about the applaud. It was about being that second violinist. It was about being the person who says, do you know what I'm serving? Because there's a God who loves me and I want to show that love to the people around me. Not to say guys anyone noticing and I challenge myself on that because I know there have been times when I've served but then I've kind of just wanted to mention it to a few people so they went well done well done you it's a massive massive challenge also great to remember that over the summer we looked at the series on rest and we talked a lot about the fact that Jesus withdrew there are lots of circumstances where Jesus was teaching, he was healing, he was praying for people. And the disciples would say to him, there are still loads of people. But even at those times when there's still loads of people, there were moments when Jesus knew it was right to withdraw. Because showing God's love to everyone around you doesn't mean you have to say yes to every single thing. And it doesn't mean that you serve those around you at the sacrifice of spending time with your family, with your friends, whatever it is. That we need to make sure we don't feed our needs to be needed, but we feed those who are in need. And it's probably also worth saying that we are all at different seasons of our lives. For some of us, you know, we can be like that Samaritan and we're at a point where we can see a need and where we can step in. But for other of us right now in this season, you're probably that person on the floor and you're that person who is lying there needing someone to stop and to help and support you. 
And I just want to say to you this morning, if that is you, please come and talk to Malcolm and Sue, to Andy, to myself, to your community group leader. We want to be the people who help you and lift you up at this point, who can show God's love to you. Because we all are in different seasons of our lives. And as long as we know that our hearts have the pure motive of serving, even at those times when we don't feel like we've got anything to give, we can let people around us come around us and help us. And just as we close, I think the most amazing example that we can look at this morning and the most amazing thing that we can think about is the example of Jesus, God's son, given to us. It says in Matthew 20, verse 28, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What an amazing example that we have this morning that when we're sitting there thinking, oh, but I'm so busy, you don't understand, I can't give, I can't do this. Actually, we can look at Jesus, the son of God who came onto this earth, who could have been a king, who could have been applauded, who could have gained all the wealth and the riches in the world, but yet he chose to come as a carpenter's son. And he chose to say to each single one of us, I came to serve you, not to be served. I came to love you. And ultimately that Jesus paid the price of serving us with his life that he loved each one of us so much that he decided he would take that punishment. That for all the wrong that we do, for all of the times that we turn our backs on God, we will not be punished because Jesus paid the price of hanging on the cross and giving up his life so that we could have that relationship with God. And it might be that you're here this morning and you've never accepted that into your life. You've never known that amazing act of service that God did for you personally. And I just encourage you, maybe even this morning, this could be your chance to take that step to say, I want to know that God who loves me, that God who serves me, who is there for me. And I want to be a person who can reflect that same love and that same service to all of those around me. That we can be the Samaritan who says, if I do not stop, what will happen to him?